0: Hello friends and welcome to another episode of While We Were Waiting, where we share expert insight and true tales from inside the restaurant industry. I'm your host, Martha Madison.
1: And I'm your co-host and Martha's husband, AJ Gilbert.
0: I told him more energy, and there it is. (laughs) On today's episode, my dear friend and former bartending colleague, Tanya Puig, tells a heartwarming story about a daytime bar regular in New York City who was a tough nut to crack. You know the kind. Alone, quiet, one-word answers. Two beers a day, but 86 the small talk. We're also going to chat about the super fun topic of the cultural appropriation of food. I told AJ not to say it like that because it sounds super boring and makes me want to take a nap, but he promises it's going to be fun. But first.
1: Uh, but first, well, cultural appropriation of food. Well, there was an article in the San Francisco Chronicle, and I've read others uh, about different foods that was saying that people shouldn't have tiki bars. hmm or that maybe some people shouldn't have tiki bars. I couldn't really tell what which, the author which people was saying.
0: shouldn't have tiki bars.
1: Well, people that look like you. Um, oh,
0: white people shouldn't have tiki bars.
1: Well, that would seem to be the thrust of it. It was saying that 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 the idea of having a bar that was themed like the south like the South Pacific was somehow offensive, and you know, food, cocktails, flavors are. Culture that people share, you know, and there, nobody really knows who invented the noodle, whether it came from Asia or it came from Europe, or maybe it was invented simultaneously. But is Italian food culturally appropriating Asian food? And is it cultural appropriation when somebody makes a pizza at home that's not from Italy? I mean, I just don't understand what the complaint is. And it feels like it accomplishes the opposite. And I I just don't know how these things make it in the newspapers. It it seems uh, like it's indulging some weird idea that that doesn't have any legs at all.
0: Right. Well, I think what I understand, I didn't read the article, but from what I understand from your uh, explanation of it, it was basically saying themed restaurants are bad and kind of a mockery of different cultures, right? And that, you know, if you're going to promote yourself as an italian restaurant then it needs to be authentically italian and cooked and run by italians right or, yeah, or I mean, it, it, it may fall it, it, it may fall into that themed category right
1: well i think that i think that if you wrote the article and you made that argument you would be making a much better argument that's not what it said mm-hmm. uh, i i could kind of get behind you know the cheesy theme thing just as an aesthetic right but no it was about the idea of taking people's cultural identity. I doubt that there's a lot of tiki bars in in Polynesia and such, but it was about taking those ideas and using them uh to for commerce. And somehow that was wrong. And I think that food is an area that we get together on. And yeah. I just think that we're ignoring this incredible way that we can share and understand each other. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not being corny about it. You know, I go to the taco stands in Dallas and there's the good old boys with their you know, Trump stickers on their cars waiting in line and ordering stuff in Spanish. And this is as good as it's going to get. I mean, this is where people can come together. And I I think that uh, I think we're being uh, crazy to think that there's something wrong with that.
0: Got it. Cultural appropriation of food. Lesson learned.
1: Not a real thing. no, it's a recipe. It's I just a cultural think, yeah, program. I mean,
0: we live in America. I ask people when I'm recruiting sometimes like chefs that I talk to, what is American food? Just because I'm curious what they're going to say. And I think, you know, the right answer for me or what I'm hoping that they're going to say is it's, it's all the foods. This is where we all come together. We're a melting pot, right? American food right. is a little bit of uh, Asian food, a little bit of Italian food, a little bit of, you know, Southern food. What, what is it? It's, it's a, it's a, a representative of the people who live here. And, yeah, and it
1: comes from it comes from Africa, it comes from Asia, right. it comes from
0: Europe. And I love that we can kind of follow those lines of where food came from and and really appreciate the the cultural differences that created certain kinds of food and spices and all that kind of stuff. But you know, when you come to America and you're going to open a, a restaurant, it, it's it is therefore American, no matter where it came from, because we're all a melting pot. <laughs> Right,
1: which is right. That's right. that that I think that's right. And then what about you know at at the family you know uh, my family's Eastern European Eastern European Jews, mm-hmm. and your family is like
0: 100% a hundred percent white English. paper or something. <laughs> I'm like I'm like eighty five percent European and like fifteen percent Irish.
1: So we're, I'm supposed to sit at one side of the table and eat lodkas, and you sit at the other side and eat cheese whiz and crackers. I don't, I, I don't, I don't like cheese whiz. Where,
0: <laughs> Why is cheese with Oh, but
1: that that's thats your food. That's, that's your people's food.
0: <laughs> You're such an asshole. I love latkes. I also love tacos and pizza and, um, you yeah. know, ribs. You guys would I be like screwed.
1: The wasps would lose out bad if we can only eat our own <laughs> we food. We would just
0: be eating potatoes.
1: <laughs> Everything you'd be eating would be made out of vegetable oil. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> But okay. you would have to wear a mask.
0: I do wear a mask. Damn it, I do too, and so should everyone. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but uh, just just today, uh, the governor of Texas ordered that everybody has to wear a mask well, everywhere. It's about it's about
0: time now that how many new cases today? Eight thousand new cases in Texas.
1: I don't think that's come out today. But yesterday it was. Yeah. So here's here's I was texting with my sister last night. We were so you know they're in California. There's tons of cases, and they had a very long lockdown. And here's here's my operating theory based on not being a scientist, but it seems to be about being indoors, right? So if you look around the Sun belt, it's really hot. Everybody's inside right now because it's hot to be outside. San Francisco, it's always cold, so mm-hmm. people are inside, particularly at night, and grouped together. So if somebody has a Memorial Day party. Eventually, everybody's going to wind up in the house because it's going to get chilly. And and you know, in Texas, everybody's going to wind up inside because it's too hot. Right. And these are the areas where we're seeing. So I, I don't you know, I, I think the sad thing about my unscientific theory is that it means there's not I mean, other than not be together, there's not much we can do about it. I mean, all the different. Well, the other so and then bars, right? Mm-hmm. Bars are are bad. Um, which seems to be a universal thing now. Face masks good, bars bad, and don't go inside. Right. Um, and that seems to be what's causing all the spread. But boy, it is, it's is—it's freaky. It feels like we're right back at the beginning.
0: We are, but I will say that the I was looking at some of the data this morning, and it looks like the death rate is actually going down. And I do attribute a lot of that to the fact that we know nursing homes are the hardest hit, and we've gotten a lot of that under control. Um, so now we're starting to read more about these younger people, 20 to 40 year olds who are ending up in the hospital and getting really sick. And in fact, last night we found out that our babysitter has it. Thank goodness. Oh,
1: you don't need a babysitter.
0: Oh, (laughs) you're such a dick. (laughs) Um, uh, so luckily for us, uh, she hasn't babysat in a while, but I'm so worried about her. You know, she's 20, 20 years old, 21 years old and she's, she's sick. She has a lot of symptoms and she's a healthy girl. She works out, you know, with us all the time and, or did before all of this and she's in great shape and she's very healthy and she's sick and that scares yeah. me. You know, she's 20.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the things that we, I think hoped in the fall would be the things that would get us out of this, you know, that young people might be somewhat okay to participate in the economy and that, you know, that there are ways to really keep it from spreading or we'd go through that kind of quarter bell curve that we went through and things would get, it's none of it's working. We're just, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the bad thing is, is it, it worked in other countries and we just didn't stick with it long enough. And it seems like just a total waste. I mean, you know, we all stayed inside for, Two months or whatever But not long nothing. enough.
0: And we all knew when they reopened Texas, we all looked at each other and said it, it's too soon. And here we are, it's too soon. And now it's going to go down the tank again, we're going to have to shut down again. And, you know, Clay Jenkins, who's the judge of Dallas, who kind of makes all of these decisions, said it so eloquently the other day, you know, our economy is our public health, our public health is our economy. And the, we have to remember, they're the same thing. If we want to have our economy back, we first have to have good public health which means following the guidelines and listening to the scientists and i just don't know why we're back here again you know and now they're telling us we have to decide whether to send our child back to school in 5 weeks we have to decide that by friday i it's how do you know i mean i it's yeah. so it's um it's scary and it's frustrating and you know i don't want to have to homeschool my daughter for the next year but i certainly don't think it's appropriate to send her back to school Yet.
1: Well, we we live in a time where science is not considered sacrosanct, right? Sacrosanct, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, there was a time when the United States went to the moon and it led to a whole generation of kids wanting to study science and go to college, and college was relatively cheap. And then they created all these technology companies, and people made billions of dollars and stuff, and that era is over and you know education is a luxury and there's bad schools all over the country and people don't understand how to understand science and the politicians serve them by you know saying your your sense is right your your spidey sense your horse sense is correct you know all this stuff is 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 crazy there's no graph that can tell you if you're going to get sick that doesn't work that way and you know the truth is is it does and uh you can't deny it and maybe if anything good comes out of this it will be that we're able to re-engage with science it seems to be the only thing that's made humanity's plight better if you go back Mm -hmm. through the history of man from the enlightenment to uh uh the uh uh, i forget the other one but you know in in paris when they built the eiffel tower and they discovered electric and radio waves and all that kind of stuff People live longer. People have more food. Right. People have more productive lives. It, there, you know, there's cures for diseases that we didn't. This is all because of science. So if we decide, you know, if a, if a segment of our population says, you know, science is your religion and we've got our own thing, this is what happens. And uh, I, I, hope that, I hope that we get better than this because it, that's the thing that scares me more than
0: anything. Agreed. Gosh, there's this great new show that we've been watching this week called The Great. Um, and I didn't know if I was going to love it because I saw that Elle Fanning was going to be the lead in it. And I just didn't believe that any American could do a good British accent. So I immediately didn't think it was going to be good. <laughs> and it was amazing. We watched how many episodes, like 13 episodes?
1: I don't. Yeah, I high, I, you know, I think it's many I think there were ten episodes, and I don't think it's coming back. I think it's done.
0: Oh, really? No. So, wh- so where is it? Is it on Netflix? It's on, or- it's on
1: Hulu. Okay. Um, and uh, I think it was produced for. Hulu by Hulu. Yes, and uh, yeah, it's really funny. Uh, beautiful sets and costumes, and you I think know they... what I
0: love about it is the tone is weird, right? So they're telling a pretty true story, but they make it almost farcical. So it's this weird mishmash of of like literary tone, and it's hilarious, but also really moving. It's really good, and I highly recommend it. Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs>
1: They they say that in the show.
0: Someone made a drinking game out of it. Every time they say "huzzah," so you have to drink. We didn't do that because we're we're doing dry July, sort of.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why we're not funny.
0: <laughs> I, uh, you're never funny. It's okay.
1: <laughs> All right, say something funny.
0: Something funny. I can't. That's not. Yeah. You can't put me out. Of, I'm not a comedian. I'm just, nah. I'm just charming and fun. Nah. While We Were Waiting is brought to you by One House Hospitality Recruiters, a full service hospitality recruitment firm serving all of North America. For more information, check out our website at one-house.com. That's O-N-E-H-A-U-S.com. Well, now it's story time. Today's story comes to you from my dear friend, Tanya Puig. She and I have shared many, many crazy restaurant stories from our time working together in the early 2000s back in New York City, but this one revolves around her experience with one regular she slowly got to know while she was daytime bartending on the Upper East Side.
2: About six years ago, I stopped working for a bar restaurant management group. I was doing, I was a bookkeeper there and, you know, general like office manager. I was out of work now. One of the bars that we managed, the general manager there, very good friend of mine, he was managing this small place on 52nd and 2nd called the Irish Exit. And his daytime bartender broke his wrist. Very luckily, I got the shift. Daytime bar people are very different than nighttime bar people. My first customer comes in of my first daytime shift. (laughs) And it's, you know, this older gentleman. When I think about him, I imagine the old man from the movie Up. You know, silver hair. He had like a full, set, full head of hair. He looks like the kind of person that you could tell in his youth. He was like a strong, good-looking guy. Hi, how are you? What can I get for you? And he's like, you know, it's like the Bud Lights. So I said, okay. So I say bottle or draft, and he's like, he says draft, and I can already tell that I've annoyed him because I didn't know this because. I'm a stranger. He asked me where the bartender was. Where's Chris? And I said, oh, he broke his wrists. And uh, I'm covering for him because he can't work right now. He nodded and that's it. He would sit there from about 1130 till about four and just no lunch and no like, no shots, just his bud light, his draft bud light. And he would nurse it until it was like warm and gross. And I would try to refresh it for him, but right when it was at the bottom and he, you know, he would say, no, he was the only person at my bar for hours. And it, we, he just sat there in silence. I think finally, after a week of seeing my face, he decided that it was okay to talk to me. And he. Told me that he grew up in New York. He grew up on the Upper East Side, and he said, "I've seen this city and these neighborhoods change." When it's one person, it, you almost feel responsible for them, and you almost feel like it's—I mean, it is your job to take care of them. But it goes just beyond hospitality. It goes to you know, uh, trying to gauge their well-being and ask them, how are you? You know, those people probably need somebody to ask them how they are. His tolerance for bullshit was really low. And he just, you know, that sometimes overly sweet, fake, you know, hey, how are you? Peppiness and cheerfulness that I hate sometimes in other people and i can't, i can't fake it um he wasn't one for that and i was kind of admired that i was like all right we're going to get along and he turned out to be i'm not going to say really nice but interesting in his his ways like i could just imagine how his routine went every day i imagine that he gets up he probably takes his medication <laughs> He, you know, uh, probably has, like, his clothing laid out already and has, like, a toast and coffee for breakfast. And then he's like, okay, here I go. Um, Like, you could tell that this man's life, daily life, is very regimented. Bartender Chris, he he was on the mend, and, you know, he wanted his shifts back. So I was no longer working the day shift at the Irish exit, and he was. So I went there for a comedy night. I think we had missed each other cuz he wasn't there and I was like, "Oh, where's, you know, where's Jerry?" And he's like, "Oh, he's been here, you know, he's doing all right. He asked for you. He said, "Where's the girl?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm the girl." Um, It's actually one of the first things that I thought of when bars started closing was where are these people that go to their local watering hole for companionship? Because this guy, he he wasn't going there to get, you know, to tie one on. He was going there to, it was part of his day. It was part of his routine. In New York, places have slowly started opening up with outdoor. Um, There's, the same kind of bar up the block from me and they open the windows and they're serving that way. And it's just, it's the same kind of people. It's a bunch of Jerry's just gathered around this window with plastic pints of beer.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to While We Were Waiting. You can find us and our episode pictures at whilewewerewaitingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to share your stories with us, we want to hear from you. Just shoot us an email at stories at whilewewerewaitingpodcast.com. You can follow us on all social platforms at Waiting Podcast. And if you like what you're hearing, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us now. Until we meet again, wear your mask wherever you're around other people, order for pickup, not delivery, and tip 30% whenever possible. Take care, everyone.